And welcome to the third of our Fizzy Chats. Today's episode is hosted by myself, Lily McLeish, and my co-host, Tamara van Berten. Right, so um, we're very, very lucky to have with us today Maria Arberg, who's an internationally acclaimed theatre director and artistic director of Projekt Europa. Uh, welcome, Maria. It's so good to have you. Thank you so much. It's really nice to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about, well, what first made you think of Project Europa and, and how you um, how that, that was set up? Yeah, of course. So the company is based in the UK, but it's an international company that makes new work, some of which is co-created, all of which is uh, migrant-led. And all of it comes out of a desire to, to, to sort of not necessarily reinvent, but, but maybe look at in a different light the ways in which international collaboration and international touring has happened in sort of recent decades and what we might be able to do to sort of tweak those models to make them uh, more sustainable both artistically and environmentally and financially and otherwise. Uh, but the real genesis of the company is really uh, a season of work that I curated for the Royal Shakespeare Company that was meant to happen in 2020. Um, oh. <laughs> yes, as, as we can all guess what happened with that. It was, a, it was a, a big season of work and the season itself was intended to interrogate and celebrate European theatre making and theatre making practice. So it, we had three main productions. We had commissioned seven new plays. There was a photography exhibition. We had a collaboration with the University of Birmingham. We had a youth theatre project. It was, you know, and what was interesting about that is, of course, lots and lots and lots of thinking went into that in terms of what uh what is european theater what does it mean to collaborate across borders and i very early on that project you know that, that was uh, it took about three years to 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 make so right at the beginning i i found a german dramaturg called judith gersenberg who came from the schauspielhaus in hanover but it's now uh working at the Rotriennale with barbara Frey. and she um and she came on board and together with her we sort of shaped the thinking and the ethos and the and the mission of that of that season of work and when it all got cancelled you know my first thought was I need to save some of it you know I need to hold on to at least some of the shows or some of the relationships or something so I so I sort of set about doing that in that in those first kind of chaotic months of, of lockdown and through doing that and through speaking with lots of people abroad and speaking with lots of people in in, in the UK this idea of maybe starting a company sort of grew, you know, and it was partly because it was it made sense as a, a as a way of creating a structure or a vehicle for the survival of the work that we'd made, but also to to kind of keep some of the thinking alive. And it was something about sitting, you know, in my bedroom, as we all did, as we still do, and talking to people all, all, all over Europe and all over the world about work and about, you know, potential collaborations that made me realize that really this that is what I've always wanted to do and and you know I was kind of reassessing my career and you know all, all of those things yeah and then eventually decided to start a company and did that together with Judith and uh, we found an incredible uh, executive producer called Malu Ansaldo who's Argentinian 
who came on board and it's the three of us who run the company really and as well as you know saving the projects that that kind of were inherited or this sort of had been born out of the Royal Shakespeare Company season what was important to me was also this idea of finding new ways of making work internationally so you know one of the one of the ways in which we do that and one of the ways I suppose that's environmentally sustainable and possible in these times is working with migrant theater makers because you know where better to find actual lived international experience than right in the middle of our communities you know so that is one thing that we do we also focus on co-creating work with local migrant communities again because that feels like a an artistically interesting and socially responsible way of of kind of accessing that international perspective and we're looking at different ways of traveling around the world that might mean traveling less but staying in in the same place for longer and collaborating in in sort of deeper ways with local communities yeah that's the company basically that's amazing (laughs) i really love it what is the thing that most that you have found like from that journey of having the first meeting with you did or the first time that you had the idea what were the moments that most excited you or, or sort of discoveries that you had I mean the interesting thing and I and I you know I imagine this is this is like this for everyone and I just hadn't realized it because I'd never try, you know I'd never tried to set up my own company I never really anticipated that that would be something I would do I was interested in running buildings but not not starting anything on my own is how much of it of an act of creation it is to do that you know to do all the thinking and think you know and, and kind of come up with a structure and think about the vision and the mission you know all that stuff it's really it, it is an it is a real act of creativity you know and I had sort of completely wrongly assumed that it's just the stuff that you have to do in order to get to the creative bit which is making the work so that was a really pleasant surprise that actually engaging with you know the arts council applications and the uh, you know and, and and all of those things actually is incredibly creative work which sounds very obvious when I say out loud but it wasn't really to me. (laughs) Well it doesn't sound like it is but it's also because it's a collaboration with other people while you're working. It is and you know and you have to you know it's a process of asking yourself all of those questions about what the company is for and who's it for and what should the work be and what's the most responsible way of making work and who do you want to make it with and how and you know, you go through that process every time you write an application, every time you speak to someone about your work, every time you pitch, every time you, you know, speak to funders, all of those things are that kind of sort of self-reflection or conversation that you have with yourself and, and obviously with your, the rest of your team is is ongoing, isn't it? And that I think is really, yeah, I found that incredibly stimulating. Mm. I mean, I just find it really interesting because the grassroots idea started with the season that you were creating at the RFC and then you've sort of made it you know taken it and it's become your company now which is absolutely fantastic and I and I think it's sort of really interesting that it's all it sounds like to me like it's all happened in this last year and a half is that right the sort yeah of- I mean the the of course the you know I had lunch with Erica Wyman and started talking about this season in the summer of 2016 so you know it conversations have been going on for a while yeah Uh, and and, you know obviously the work of putting together that season and commissioning playwrights and you know and identifying directors and stuff that that took much much longer than that but you know once you start thinking about where something really begins or where the sea you know where is the idea that is the sort of germination of all of it of course it goes much further back than than that you know like I, i the the idea of wanting to engage with international work is is way way older than 2016 as well you know yeah it 
something it seems to me is really integral to you not just as a director but as a person as well because you you grew up in Sweden and then you have lived in different countries do you want to talk a little bit about how how that has influenced how you think about theatre and theatre not just in the UK but in in Europe yeah it's interesting isn't it because it's you know it's, it's sort of hard to tell where everything comes from right you know you're influenced you can it's it's easier to look at someone else and go, oh yeah, you clearly got that from over there and you got that from over there, but it's it, it, it's all a bit more, um, yeah, it's all a bit more organic when it comes to yourself, isn't it? Um, but yes, I grew up in Sweden and studied at university here for a little while before going to the UK and I did a directing course at Mountview and then went to live in Berlin for a bit and I worked a bit in Germany. I lived in Italy for a while. I've lived in Ireland. So I've, I've moved around a bit in Europe um, before really settling properly in, in the UK about... Yeah, whenever was that, like about 18 or 19 years ago. Uh, and I guess, you know, this like Swedish theatre culture is, I would say, a sort of mix between the German and, and the, the British, you know, M more maybe tending towards the German, but, but really sits kind of somewhere in, on a spectrum in between. And it's interesting being in a place where you can relate with relative ease to both of those both of those theatre cultures that are really quite different, not just in, in the expression or what you see on stage, but really in the thinking that goes into it in the in the kind of underlying ideas and hierarchies even that are supporting the industry, for want of a better word. So yeah, I suppose, you know, you pick up you pick up things along the way, don't you? And try and put them into your work. Totally. <laughs> I just actually it struck me that just then because I've spent a lot of time making work between especially between England and Germany and sort of trying to work out the or exploring and really celebrating the differences in how you make theatre in Germany and also how you make it in England and also different countries but especially Germany and UK and I was just thinking with Project Europa what's your sort of work model like how is that is it like writer-led is it director-led is it a mixture of both is it yeah, is it something completely different? Well, I think, I mean, you know, can change, can't it? You know, who knows? Who knows? It's early days. But I think I don't envisage us working with writers in a in a British model mm -hmm. um, necessarily. You know, I think it's, it, it is going to be more director led because that is the kind of work that I'm interested in making. And so consequently, those are the theatre makers that I'm interested in collaborating with and, mm -hmm. and and kind of you know supporting and giving a bit of space to so so I suspect that's what it will be like um we are looking at this summer we've been developing a trilogy of projects that explore sort of co-creation models so we've been working with uh, I've been doing one project and and we've been working with two other theatre makers looking at how we can yeah how we can find models that can travel so they can they, they can tour internationally but that have a, a co-created element to them so they have professional performers but then can work with local migrant communities uh in in places that they visit mm -hmm. and obviously those projects are very flexible in nature and and sort of semi-devised so that says something about the about the form of it I suppose and, and the mm. way that it will work but at the same time um Europeana which is uh one of the projects from the RSC season that we're doing in 2023 um is an adaptation of a novel that I've done together with Judith um uh, so that's more structured in a way even though even though the process is anything but you know sitting down and and, and kind of working from a, an existing text. 
do you have actually do you have a physical building at the moment that you're working in or is it sort of still in the sort of in a more sort of I have to say it, digital theoretical sphere, <laughs> idea sphere. It's good. No, so we're a resident of the Marlowe Theatre in Canterbury. Um, so that is, uh, that's, that's, that's where we've been developing the shows. That's where we've been workshopping things this summer. That's where we'll, yeah, that is our base. That's where we're registered. And that relationship came about because in, so last year in my kind of, I need to get some advice on how to do this because I have no idea what I'm doing. I contacted Deborah Shaw, who I knew from the RSC from when she when she led the Complete Works Festival in 20, 2006, ages ago, um, when I did my first couple of shows there. Um, and she now runs the Marlowe in Canterbury. And, and we had a couple of chats and it was sort of clear qu quite quickly that what we both wanted sort of aligned. And, and, and then it was uh, and then she was very generous to offer us a sort of uh, associate company thing so we're there for the next three years at least and that is very helpful because it doesn't mean we have access to space we have access to infrastructure we have access to you know technical staff and all of that stuff which is a massive uh, bonus obviously uh, when you try and develop work because you know although although we're starting from scratch in some sense um, it's not quite that sort of scrabbling for support I guess mm. yeah I can imagine that having a home is a is an important thing and sort of a base where you can, yeah, meet and... I mean, Zoom is pretty good, though. <laughs> Talking about sort of trying right. to make sustainable theatre is also not that if you're sort of thinking about, yeah, travelling and touring without actually moving a lot of people, it's sort of a, an interesting, weird model that you can sort of have and investigate, I think. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, I, yeah, none of it would have happened if it wasn't for Zoom, I don't think. Mm. I, didn't, I didn't even meet, meet in actual person, my executive producer, until a few weeks ago <laughs> so you know yeah yes I mean we feel we feel a lot like that I would love to have a, a physical building for Fizzy Shabbat but we're the core team itself is already spread across three countries yeah. so that, it's like it's it not gonna happen yeah yeah exactly but you also <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how much is necessary anymore you know you can yeah you I mean obviously you have to develop the models that suit you and and figure out ways of making it possible but um, you know, yeah, Zoom is Zoom is good and frustrating and all those things as well. <laughs> <laughs> and how how does it um, practically work for you? I mean, do you have a very if you had to sort of talk about what a typical day would look like in your life? Or there's probably not a typical day, is there? <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's so hard. I mean. So we're in Sweden at the moment and we've been here for a little while. So a typical day here is I, my husband drops the kids off a nursery. I go down to the beach and go for a swim. Uh, I've been wow. doing that nice. winter, so it's, I'm one of those now. It's great. And then just go and sit at the desk really and just sit here and, you know, and try and not go crazy with all the associated admin that comes with running a company and uh, every now and again have to, you know, go for a walk and remind myself to also give myself some space to be an artist but I'm sure that's the same for everyone or if I'm in, in a workshop obviously you know it's completely different and then you just kind of flat out in a studio somewhere yes that sounds amazing I love the swim especially <laughs> I go running so that's my thing I, I kind of yeah, I do, in my head I do, I do. the only way I can actually manage to convince myself to go for a swim and it's like five degrees in the water is by going for a run first so I'm warm you know <laughs> Yeah, so you actually want to cool down, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. 
I think um, it's really fascinating because at the moment I'm based in Germany and um, so you're you're based at the moment in Sweden and you're running a company in the UK and what are the challenges of doing that at the moment? It's actually fine. I mean, it's actually fine. I, I came back. I've just been, I've just been in Canterbury for a week. I came back. Yeah, last last weekend. I'm going out again on Friday. You know, it's there's there's at the moment an unnecessary amount of flying, but it's partly to do with like you know scheduling and kids and husband husbands doing shows. I mean, what <laughs> how incredibly irresponsible. Um, <laughs> but 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 traveling is is absolutely fine now. I feel. Oh, good. I'm, I'm going to Germany soon, so I'm, I'm very pleased to hear you say that because it will be the first time for me traveling for ages. Oh, so. God, no, yeah, no, I've been, I've been a few, I've been, I went to, I went to Avignon and I went to the Rue de and it was absolutely fine. Yeah. Oh, yes, you met Heidi in Avignon, didn't you? Yeah. That was our last fizzy chat. <laughs> exactly. Heidi Wiley from ETC. Yeah. And so... But you've very specifically decided to base it in the UK, and and I and I imagine that's partly because obviously you've spent a lot, you you know a lot, you've built a whole career in the UK as well. And with Project Europa, what is it do you want to see? What would you like sort of for the theatre industry in the UK to? What are you sort of yeah? Wh- where are you going with your company, and what what do you want to do? What do you want to sort of have happen in the UK theatre industry? That's that's a great question. That's a great question. Mm. I mean, you know, I suppose I could say I, I would love to be able to platform more migrant theatre makers and I would love to make some sort of small contribution to raising the status of co-created work from, uh, you know, something that's sort of considered artistically a bit secondary um, to to something that has the same status and production values and investment and all the rest of it as, as other work. But but really, I think it's about internationalizing the perspective as a whole, you know, mm. both about the people who make the work, but also how it's made and in terms of who gets to make it and who's on stage and who's off stage and all of those things. And mm. uh, what are the forms and what are the topics and, and all that kind of thing? And just like opening it up to to a, to an international perspective a little bit more. Is there something about work for migrant workers that you feel is a quality that that work shares or, or in comparison with work that's created in the UK with UK artists? No, uh, I mean, I suppose UK, they have, there is a theatre culture in the UK and you can, you know, you could describe that in, in certain terms, I suppose, but, but in terms of the work that migrant theatre makers make, I mean, that's, as varied as the world you know there's no way of of uh um and i guess that's the point you know of of celebrating the difference and the and the perspectives and the ideas and and uh, you know and not not necessarily um kind of putting an onus upon migrant theater makers to make work from from a migrant perspective as it were you know um but to just just give space and platform and uh and just allow artists to be artists, I suppose. I mean, the theatre industry it must have. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't know because I've not been to London for about or the UK actually for you know quite a long time now since the pandemic started, uh, and before that I was working there quite a lot. And I imagine that uh, as as it has here, you know, things have really changed in the last one and a half to two years, um, and will probably continue changing. 
what do you think is like the future for theatre? What do you think? Yeah, it's tough. I think it's a really, I mean, it's an, you know, it's, I think it's a difficult time, but I also think it's interesting as all, as all big like cycles of change are, are, you know, hard and good in that I think, I mean, we all know this, but the UK theatre industry has to diversify. And that is a, that is a, I think that's a requirement for its survival, not just a kind of bonus, you know, it has, it has to happen. And I think it's going to be a long process, but I feel feel like it started and I just hope that it continues. I, you know, the fact of the matter is that there's, there's less money, there's less money now, you know, this is the, the, the last 18 months has taken an incredible financial toll and that's going to, we're going to notice that, you know, there's going to be, I think, um, a sort of risk averse climate sneaking in much as people will try and avoid it. I think it's still absolutely the case and there'll be fewer productions. There might be fewer commissions of new work, you know, that kind of thing. At the same time, there's obviously a backlash to all of that, you know, and there's people who very consciously are deciding to go against that and do other things. I think the new season at the BAC is a great example, slightly biased, of course, because Mali was part of making that, or what new diorama are doing in terms of their space, and it's absolutely brilliant, uh, or Slung Low, and, you know, there are companies that, that, that very much go against the kind of, kind of current, and that's brilliant, and I think that's really inspiring, and uh, I'm delighted that's happening, so I don't know, I don't know what the future is, you know, I guess that's I guess that's part of the fun. <laughs> it is part of the fun. It's part of the fun when you're part of the shaping of it as well, or you feel part. You feel able to be part of the shaping of it. Put it that. Let's put it that way. I think that's what we're trying to do with Fizzy Sherbet as well. So yeah. that's why I think that um, it Fizzy Sherbet's also born out of that uh, desire to sort of be part of shaping uh, the way we, yeah, who we listen to or who is shown on stages and on why and what stories are told and all of that so it's very much about that and it's about connecting uh, artists internationally as well so it's uh, and about thinking how do you how do you collaborate and how do you make work that's not just within your own country but sort of can actually cross borders in in ways that you probably would you might not even have the means to normally uh i think like collaborating with writers from we've had lots of submissions from Brazil which has been really you know really exciting and I don't think you know my my means wouldn't normally mean that I could I could do that so that's I think that's a ask what you do with translating so are they submitting their plays in English yeah at the moment we've had uh, one or two uh, plays uh, submitted in French and we have to read those in French but (laughs) other than that we have asked and people to well writers to submit in English for now because we are still quite a small team and we don't necessarily have the capacity to do lots of translations which is probably one of those that yeah but that is one of the things is sort of for the playwrights from yeah different countries having to write in not necessarily their own language is is obviously tricky or having to or writing something and then having to have it translated to submit obviously as a yes I think that is what has been happening with most of the the submissions that were originally written in a different language and then they found their own translator where they were and sent a translation of it in. Mm. But of course, what it also means if you are um, writing in English, you do reach a more international audience through the podcast. I mean, what we quite like is to have snippets in there of other languages as well. So um, that is fine as long as you 
as as long as there's the English framework, so you understand what's happening. Yeah, yeah, that is quite nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one, that isn't it, about the, the dominant language and mm. how much the culture, you know, is inherent in a language, and you know, mm. it's a, the, there's an interesting conversation to be had about um, about that, isn't there? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, we have had conversations, haven't we, about sort of doing maybe. The plays in their original language and and just having them you know well, obviously we we because we all speak english with each other that's sort of the thing that we use as our, our as our language but actually we could quite easily <laughs> produce a couple of episodes in different languages actually and you know yeah and everyone can listen to them you know but that that's also might be really really interesting and fun yeah yeah, yes. yeah. We just felt it was for for this series. It was like one step too far and would have complicated things too much oh, for us. But yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I completely appreciate the the logistical challenge of it. It's just an interesting one when we talk about you know decolonization and stuff. Mm. Of, of of still, well, we do the same. You know, of still sticking to English as the dominant mm. language. Yeah. Anyway, well, we also well, you do work in different languages. Maria. Yes, I really want to. I really, really want to. Um, again, you know, we'll see. The, the 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 project that I'm I've been developing this summer can be performed in a few different languages, and the co-created elements that are, uh, you know, the kind of uh, uh, local participants element, they can be performed in whatever language, you know, whatever lang language people speak, um, or whatever language the audiences speak. Um, and in Europeana, I think there'll be, there's definitely room for more, uh, you know, more languages than we had anticipated when we thought it was going to play in Stratford of Wanaden. So, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Exciting. I can't wait to see the work. <laughs> I really can't. <laughs> <laughs> when is it, when is the first, when is it on? Like, when is your first uh so we have just done, we just did a sharing of Let Your Hands Sing in the Silence, which is the piece that I've been developing la weekend before last in Canterbury. So that was our first like little public thing. Um, but that's after two weeks uh, in the studio, you know, uh, so it was it was a very informal kind of work in progress. Here is what we've, what, some of the things that we've been playing around with. We've got another one coming up this Saturday um, and another one following Saturday uh, of the two other pieces. Um, and then we'll see, the Europeana is scheduled to open in 2023, in the spring, in Oslo probably. Um, and then it's gonna come to the UK, but we don't know the dates yet, but it will be in 2023 at some point. Great. Yeah. Yes. Very good. <laughs> it's exciting. It is, yeah, very good. Fantastic. Yeah. I just wanted to ask, um, we ask this to everyone who comes to our fizzy chats, but also on any chat really on the podcast. Are there any women dead or alive that you have found inspiring in your life? They don't, they can be from the theatre, but they could be from anywhere else as well. I mean, yes, obviously, but who do I choose? <laughs> <laughs> uh, who do I choose? Who do I choose? Well, I mean, there's my grandmother, you know, who was a very inspiring woman. It's very tough. She was a single mom from, from, from when my dad was about six or seven. And she was amazing. She traveled lots. She made all her own clothes. <laughs> <laughs> she was very cool. Um, 
Um, and who else? I mean, someone in theatre who I, who I admire as a person and whose work I really admire is Barbara Frey. You know, I think she's an incredible theatre maker. She's such an artist. There are a few people who make work with the kind of rigour and detail and at the same time playfulness and intellectual depth, I think, that I know of. So I really, I, I think she's a, yeah, I admire her very much. <laughs> I'll, I will definitely hang up and I'll I'll come up with like six other people that I should have said. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Send us their names. We are actually, we've always meant to, we haven't actually done this yet, put the list of all the um, artists, women artists or women oh, nice. mentors on the uh, Fizzy Sherbet website as well. So as a list. Oh, so you can just go, uh, go away and research them yourself. And Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much, Maria. It's been fantastic uh, talking That's to you. pleasure. Work. And uh, I don't know if there's anything else you want to sort of <laughs> tell us about that we haven't mentioned. That Gee, not... I don't think so. Uh, oh, I don't think so. No, been... no. Fantastic <laughs> talking to you. And, and, and look, all the best with Project Europa. And we really look forward to seeing the work that comes from from your company uh, it's going to be much needed and a very exciting work I am sure and likewise I can't wait to see uh, I can't wait to see the the, the new season of those six plays I, it sounds incredibly exciting thank you so much for listening to our fizzy chat if you are a writer director or actor anywhere in the world and are interested in getting involved with fizzy sherbet you can find out how to do this on our website fizzysherbetplays.com we will be announcing the lineup for our second season super soon. So keep an eye out on Twitter and Instagram, where we will be announcing the writers, their plays, and the directors who will be directing those plays shortly.